0: exodus twenty nine beginning in verse thirty five and going to the end of verse forty six these are God's words. thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons, according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them, and you shall offer a bowl every day as a sin offering for atonement. you shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall sanctify then you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it. And the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb... You shall offer at twilight with the one lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of pressed oil and one-fourth of a hin of wine as a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight and you shall offer with it the grain offering and the drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to Yahweh. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before Yahweh, where I will meet with you, to speak with you, and there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am Yahweh their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am Yahweh their God. So far, the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. We've begun uh, this week with the verse that we left off with last week, uh, remembering that the sacrifices uh, of the consecration, that very violent and shocking um, uh, ritual that the Lord put the priests through when they were being ordained, Uh, so that they would see that they had no goodness at all in them. Everything that they touched that became associated with them would immediately have to be slaughtered uh, and not just die, but burn uh, under the fury of God so that his fury would be consumed uh, from upon their sin. Uh, And not just once, but uh, seven days. Uh, This would happen with three of those sacrifices Uh, Each of those days Uh, and the repetition of those sacrifices being necessary because they needed a death to be died for them that that bull and those rams couldn't do. Uh, They needed a righteousness to be provided for them. They needed the wrath of God against their sin to be satisfied which could not be satisfied upon a bull or upon rams. And so that's uh, where we left off those seven shocking days. And uh, what we find now is uh, that they needed to be cleansed so that the altar could be cleansed so that the the offerings would be holy, that would be offered not just uh, uh, for seven days but that would need to be offered for God's people every single day. Uh, that, uh, As with priests, uh, also with people uh, in Israel, that they desperately needed a death to be died in their place and the wrath of God against their sin, God's holy hatred and righteous punishing of their sins Uh, to be fully expressed. Because God hates your sins too, doesn't he? He has a holy hatred of all of your sins. In fact, when you come to begin to have holy hatred of your sin, it's because God has mercifully given you to have your mind and your heart to be like his. and He is the righteous punisher uh, of sin. So when you start to hate your sin, you're being like he is, but... Vengeance belongs to him, not to you. You can't punish your own sin, can you? Uh, and yet, we know what Jesus had to suffer. And the Lord is showing his people here that it would have to be Jesus who suffered, isn't it? And so as the Lord teaches them about uh, the necessity of uh, all of these things through uh, through the repetition first for the ordination uh, of uh, of the priests uh, and then for the work that they are supposed to do uh, coming out of their ordination, uh, he's showing us, first of all, the cleansing prerequisite for consecration. That in order to be holy unto God uh, and to be uh, used in his service, we need blood to be spilled, to atone for us and clean us. We need wrath to be satisfied. Uh, And so the cleansing prerequisite for consecration. And then in the second place, we see at the end of this passage, the compassionate purpose of consecration. That the reason God makes us holy is so that he may dwell among us and we may know not just that he has taken us as his possession but that he has given himself to us to be our possession which is extraordinary Uh, and uh, to make us to know that and so that's the compassionate purpose of the consecration so in the first place the cleansing prerequisite for consecration the need for this atonement uh, you see that uh, with uh, Aaron and his sons they are cleansed by blood, and we uh, marvelled at that last uh, last Lord's Day uh, afternoon uh, that uh, they didn't use tide, they used blood uh, for the cleansing of this uh, this priceless garment, the ephod, that the high priest would wear. Um, and then we marvelled again; we're led in marveling. Uh, in that, in the catechism class this afternoon, those of us uh, who were who were there for that, and so the priests are cleansed, and why are they cleansed? They're cleansed in order to be consecrated. Seven days, you to consecrate them. Uh, verse thirty-five, uh, and uh, this bowl that is offered uh, every day as a sin offering for atonement and the cleansing of them. They are being consecrated, so that they may cleanse the altar, so not just the priest needs to be cleansed, but the altar needs to be cleansed. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it and need uh you shall anoint it uh, and sanct- uh, to sanctify it seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it. Now what had the altar done? Well, it's an altar that's on earth, an earth that is cursed for the sake of man. And it's an altar that has been built by human hands, hands that are sinful, so that it's actually better, uh, for instance, for the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony, to fall to the ground and touch actual dirt, than to be touched by the hand of Uzzah when it was toppling because they had disobeyed God and used carts, not poles. And the wrath of God breaks out against Uzzah because better for the ark to touch dirt than to touch the dirtiness of a sinful hand. And so the altar itself must be then something that is looking forward to a heavenly reality that God would provide. Not the wood of the cross, but the suspension of the God-man between heaven and earth, where he receives the fury of the wrath of God from heaven. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is our altar. Christ himself. Is priest and altar and sacrifice all unto us? Wonderful that in the sanctifying, the the, the, clean, the atoning for and sanctifying, the atoning for and consecrating of the priest and the atoning for and consecrating of the altar. It happens for how long? It happens seven days. What is that? It's a number of completeness. It's why uh, when someone says I'm a six-day creationist. I say, well. I'm seven-day creationist. You see, the the creation wasn't complete. The creation of the heavens and earth were complete in six days. But the last thing God made was a day, the Lord's day. Don't you hear that? Does you hear with Hebrew-tuned ears? The completeness of seven and God's purpose for man to enjoy him, to have him not just heaven, not just earth, but the God of heaven and earth. That, that was the completeness. Yes, I'm a six day creationist. Don't, don't get me wrong. But there's something about the sevenness of their ordination, isn't there? That shows how entirely they need someone to die in their place and how entirely they need the wrath of God against their sin to be consumed and how entirely God would provide for both of those needs. But this would have to be repeated and repeated and repeated until one would come whose blood would be shed once, who would die once and rise again, who would suffer the wrath of God once and before he died would say it is finished not with respect to his death he would continue wouldn't he under the power of death for three days but he was done with the wrath and soon he would be done with death and God would be done with our sin the priest needs cleansing the altar needs cleansing that cannot come from the priest because he had to be cleansed and The people need cleansing, which cannot come from the altar because it has to be cleansed. The people need cleansing, verses 38 to 42. We know now uh, what the purpose is of these sacrifices, these offerings. We've heard uh, about the burnt offering and the sin offering and the peace offering. And uh, again, we have kind of a composite of those all together in the lamb that is offered in the morning and the lamb that is offered in the evening. It has elements of all of the sacrifices. The people need cleansing, and not just once, not even just once a day. I think this is something that many of us, who in the pattern of coming to God through Jesus, our priest, through Jesus, our sacrifice, morning and evening, Uh, We find the Spirit teaching our hearts this, don't we? That even though I worshipped him this morning, I spent the whole day sitting. I spent the whole day doing things that needed cleansing. A cleansing that has been provided once for all. But a cleansing that my conscience needs again to come through Jesus Christ at the end of the day. And know that the whole day, whatever I intended for evil, whatever I did that was evil, God intended for good and did that was good, and he did so righteously, because my evil that day had been atoned for. coming in at night, what about the morning? Well, not only did whatever time passed between the, the evening worship and when I woke up, uh, when I fell asleep and whatever I woke up and whenever I worshipped in the morning, not only had I sinned during that time, but I was still a sinner all night long. I still had that remaining fleshliness. We have had this discussion recently. We won't get into theology of dreams too much, but you do find out, don't you, when you're less restrained, not so much in what you dream. We know from Scripture that things can be suggested to you in dreams but you respond, don't you, in your dreams? And you don't respond perfectly righteously in your dreams, do you? Because, you know, however that mixture is of that which is suggested from external sources and, uh, and that which you're responding, and it's still from a, a sinful person, someone who has remaining fleshliness from their original nature. And yet... A remaining fleshliness that has been atoned for and from which the Lord is cleansing us. People need cleansing. They need cleansing all day. They need cleansing all night. And because just because it happened the day before doesn't mean that they don't need it today. And just because it's done for us today doesn't mean we won't need it tomorrow. And in one fell swoop all of the thousands and tens of thousands of sacrifices that had not been able to accomplish the cleansing. All of it was accomplished. All for the past believers. All for the future believers. All that we would ever need until we're not just cleansed judicious, judicially in our justification. But when having been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and been made righteous with those righteous robes. We have been further clothed with righteous robes washed in the same blood in our sanctification. Those white robes that Revelation also calls the righteous deeds of the saints. Even the tabernacle needs cleansing, but when he comes to talk about the cleansing of the tabernacle, he doesn't talk about all the blood that has been applied in, on all the things in all the places. And we'll continue to see that even with the incense altar next week and so forth. What does he say in verse 43? Cleanses and consecrates the tabernacle. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified. It's the same word, consecrated by my glory. He gives a hint there, doesn't he? Of just how it is that we can be atoned for. How it is, how can we be cleansed? How can there be a death that substitutes for us if all of these bulls and goats and and lambs couldn't atone for us? It kept having to be repeated. How can there be a, a suffering of God's wrath that actually takes away The hatred that my sin deserves from him. Because God Himself will die. Because God Himself will become a man so that He can die. And He's not going to become another person. He's only going to add to Himself another nature so that the one who dies on the tree, fully man, does not only have another nature that is fully God, but he is one divine person. And we can say, God bled on the cross. God bled to save me. God suffered wrath to take away the guilt and the wrath that my guilt deserved. How can we say such things? Because the Holy Spirit says it. Because the Holy Spirit says in Acts chapter 20 that the church has been purchased by the blood of God. And Hebrews unfolds for chapters, doesn't it? How Jesus in one sacrifice was able to atone for and consecrate once for all by his one shedding of blood on the cross. Because he wasn't a bull, and he wasn't a goat, and he wasn't a ram, and the repetition of all those things was designed to announce to them and to us the entire time, it has to be God. That's why he's named Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, the angel appears to Joseph. He says, you shall name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And the name means Yahweh saves. God is Jesus. God is Yahweh who saves. That's what he's saying here. But God is also Emmanuel, or Jesus is also Emmanuel, God with us. And so we have here not only the cleansing prerequisite for holiness that we have to be atoned for that we can be consecrated, but the compassionate purpose of holiness, that the reason we are consecrated is so that God may be with us. And he gives us, uh, he gives this to us in uh, in three different ways that He he consecrates Israel in order to be present to them, that they may have God's presence and in order to become their possession, that they may have God as their God and that they may know this so that they may perceive this so he says and there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory so I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests I will dwell among the children of Israel here is the Emmanuel principle Emmanuel With us is God. God dwells with us. This is why they had to be holy. So that they could not just have God among them, but that God could make himself known to them, the glorious God, the great God, the holy God. And they would not be undone and they would not perish. This is what terrifies Isaiah. Right? He hears the angels not just speak in a way that he ought to have spoken his whole life only that way. And so he hears holy speech and he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. But what they said, holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Not just the whole heavens, the whole earth. And he realizes, I and this people among whom I dwell on earth, we have not worshiped like this. It is not safe. But God makes him safe. How? With the coal from the reality, it's a vision. But it's a call from the reality to which this altar pointed. And God says, I have cleansed your lips. God has atoned for him in Jesus Christ to come. Why? So that he can be in the presence of this God whose glory fills the whole earth and that it will be a favorable presence. And instead of woe is me, I am undone. He may say, not only am I in God's presence, but I am redone, I am remade, I am blessed to have God as my possession. I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will be their God. They shall know that I am Yahweh, their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. Now this is a little bit different than what he said so far. What did he say to Pharaoh? Let Israel go. Israel is my firstborn son. Let Israel go that they may worship me. And so he, he has presented himself thus far primarily as the God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt that they might worship him. But he says he's doing something in the tabernacle. Not only that he might have them as his special possession so that they would worship him as he is rightly owed and he has redeemed them to do, but that he might be theirs as their special possession, that the presence of God in the midst of them was the purpose for taking them out of Egypt and for atoning for them and for consecrating them. When God saves you by the blood of Jesus Christ, the substitution of Jesus Christ, it is not only because in his pleasure and generosity, he has privileged you to be his special possession, decided to take you as his inheritance and your worship as his reward for saving you but it is also to give himself to you that you might have him as your special possession. That you might have his presence. That you might have the pleasure of the Son in the presence of the triune God. That you might enjoy knowing that God is yours. Just as he, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has from all eternity had the pleasure of knowing that he is his own. And so it is to give give us God's presence. It is to give us God as our possession. And not only that we would have him, but that we would revel in the knowledge that we have him. You see that in verse 46. And they shall know that I am Yahweh their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am Yahweh, their God. You see, the Lord wants you to know. He wants you to have the comfort of knowing. He wants you to have the joy of knowing. He wants you to have the strength of knowing. Therefore, he ties the two of these things together. Matthew 1. This is marvelous because it shows us that, yes, Jesus is the priest, Jesus is the sacrifice, Jesus is the altar, but He's also the God who tabernacles among us. He's the God who receives the sacrifice, He is the God who makes Himself our possession. It's Hebrews 1 uh, meeting. Hebrews 2 and the rest of the book. That he is is the God who offers himself on the cross, but he is also the God who poured out his wrath and satisfied it. Because we come to him when we come to the altar. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with a, with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Has that ever struck you as odd? that the angel says, call his name Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit says by the hand of Matthew, this was done to fulfill the prophecy that his name would be Emmanuel. Well, which is it? Well, he's explaining what the name Jesus means. Not just that Jesus of Nazareth is the one through whom Yahweh would say, but that Jesus of Nazareth is Yahweh, who saved, that he might be with us. That this child was God, is God, no longer a child with his people. And that in order to do so, he atoned for them. He sanctified us by his glory, suffering his own wrath on his cross. To give us his presence, to give himself to us as our possession, and to give us to know this for sure. And he has given us his spirit so that we would know that it is the Lord, the Lord of glory, who has died for us that we might have him. Oh Amen, let's pray. O Lord, we do pray for the ongoing work of your Holy Spirit, that we would not have veils over our hearts, but that what I can't see and what ear can't hear and what the heart of man cannot comprehend, your Spirit would make us to know that it is Yahweh of glory who was crucified. And so that you would make us to know that one day we will see the face of a man who is God, Grant then that by your spirit the light of the knowledge of your glory would shine in our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ, for we ask it in his name, amen.